hey, I want to shift gears and get a little bit more into what's playing out here, the impact Russia's war in Ukraine's had on commodities. And for that, we have, well, Jake Hanley joining us. He's the managing director and portfolio strategist at Tecrium Trading. Jake, good to have you with us here this morning. Welcome. Uh, we were just talking about how President Biden's meeting with global leaders today in Brussels. One of the topics we'll discuss is Europe's dependence on Russian oil. But I've been hearing it's not just Russian oil. It's widespread dependence on energies, metals, grains, commodities in general from that region. Yeah, Ben, you know, thanks for having me back on. Um, the trade originally saw this invasion and the knee-jerk reaction was to price in the worst case scenario. And I think we saw that play out across all the commodities. You know, looking at the charts you were showing with oil just recently, that big spike originally when the invasion began, a similar chart pattern uh, for wheat, okay, and for the grain commodities as well. Um, and since then, we've pulled back a little bit. And I think now the real work is getting done to put the pencil to paper and figure out just what the fallout will look like, how much uh, energy is going to be made available, um, how much wheat is going to be available. You know, and it's, it's really important to point out that the Black Sea is basically shut down, mm -hmm. and that is the fundamental supply chain. However, the rail systems in Ukraine, so far by and large, seem to have been spared, uh, and that could be helpful in getting some, some grain out of the country as well. Okay, so uh, maybe not all is not lost if they can uh, maybe move this through rail, it sounds like. And uh, I wasn't aware in terms of the Black Sea, in terms of being shut down. One of the things we've talked about in terms of Ukraine's, uh, well, con contribution to grains, specifically wheat, is uh, with this humanitarian crisis and millions of people leaving the country, ultimately, will they be able to get some of the crops in the field, the uh, seed into the ground, and then ultimately, uh, will people be around the mass destruction we've seen in terms of some of these urban areas? Will people be around to actually harvest? But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your Tecrium's wheat ETF, uh, W-E-A-T, uh, a reflection of that, what we've been seeing in terms of commodities, the spike, for example, as you mentioned. I saw in your notes you're now able to offer an indefinite number of shares and under the old rules you are limited to issuing a set number of pre-registered shares can you talk to us a little bit about basically how uh this historic event you sold out yeah we did we did and uh you're absolutely correct under the previous rules uh, we had a set number of shares that were available as a shelf offering for investors um, and etfs are continuous offering products and that means that we can issue more shares as demand uh makes necessary. Now, under the old rule, we we did. We ran out um, with unprecedented demand. Yeah. You know, I point out that our largest weekly volume in wheat prior to the invasion was 4.2 million shares. We traded 27 million shares on March 4th alone. Wow. Okay, wow. so that gives you the scale of, of, of the interest here. Um, and so, yeah, as the money money came in, a few things happened, okay? The, the wheat futures markets themselves and the wheat ETF invest in futures, you know, so it's important to, to note that. Um, we had a number of lock limit days on the futures market. We saw, we were reporting on it. Yeah, that's right. And so that, that creates an interesting situation because the wheat ETF continues to trade. Mm -hmm. It's still liquid, okay? It's available there. Um, and the, the nav of the ETF reflects the last price of the underlying futures, okay? Well, when a contract is locked limit, 
the market makers are going to use options and spreads to come up with a synthetic value, i.e. the price that the underlying futures contract would be trading at if it wasn't locked at limit. And so the market makers are using that math to price the market price of the, the wheat ETF. And so the wheat ETF decouples from the NAV in that situation, but it's actually trading at the fair value reflecting what that contract would be trading at if it wasn't locked limit. Well, again, a reflection of the demand, basically. The ETF, as you noted, uh, pointed out in your notes, it worked exactly as intended then. It, abs it absolutely did. And, you know, the, the bid-ask spread all along was was very tight, you know, good. one to two pennies, yeah, which, was, which was nice to see. Um, and, and it did. And so, you know, we saw wheat futures prices pull back, just as we saw oil futures prices pull back um, in, in the last few sessions. And, and again, the wheat ETF invests in wheat futures. And so, you know, we expect to see that volatility and it's really important for anybody investing uh, in these in these areas right now to understand that prices can come down just as quickly mm -hmm. as they go up. Mm -hmm. OK, so, you know, stay sharp out there. No, that's a good reminder. And we've talked a lot about that in terms of gold. We saw that. And there has been a sharp move off of these highs. Again, these uh, record highs in many instances in, in terms of these commodity prices. Uh, as some of it, we've said really the worst case scenarios that we were talking about as far as Putin's reaction to some of these sanctions and such uh, have kind of been shelved a little bit, talking about potentially cutting off uh, energy supplies to Europe. And there were a lot of unknowns out there. Talk to us about what's been playing out in terms of beans and corn throughout this process as the demands come into uh, for the wheat ETFs and the futures again have been spiking. I mean, we've seen some volatile price activity there as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think you, you are likely to see more. Uh, you brought up the point we talked about it last time, I believe, that uh, Ukrainian farmers are about to plant corn. I uh, saw an analyst's expectation recently saying they might plant half of the available mm -hmm. acres that they have for corn. Ukraine is expected to export 16 percent of the of the global corn uh, exports. Uh, so, you know, losing 16 percent of global corn exports or half of that would be a big deal. Um, you know, furthermore, we just heard that Argentina is uh, putting a cap on exporting soybean products. And the reasons there is, is the drought that we had from La Nina, which we've talked about, uh, really decimated South American soybeans. I mean, we lost maybe 30 million metric tons or more of expected soybean production from South America this year. That's a big deal. And now U.S. farmers are going to plant, and we see dry conditions in the Western Corn Belt. Um, you know, that, that drought, there's about 23% of, of uh, soybean growing areas that are experiencing drought, about 36% of corn growing areas that are, are currently in dry conditions right now. Um, and as we look to the long-term forecasts, you know, right now Noah is saying it's gonna be dry and it's, mm. it's gonna be warm. Um, so, you know, weather this year in the United States is going to be uh, in, in everybody's top of mind. Everybody's gonna be focused on weather in the United States because this year, the U.S. corn and soybean crop is critical. It's critical for the reasons we just discussed. Yeah, it sounds like it in terms of uh, if some of those supplies from Ukraine are shut off, um, you know, and, and a good reminder there, because oftentimes I remind our viewers that uh, with some of these geopolitical tensions, these events, the headline, uh, you know, activity uh, or tie to some of the price activity, we lose sight of some of the other fundamentals. And a good reminder there in terms of some of the supplies here or the, the weather conditions to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Jake, last thought here. I mean, as you mention all of this and kind of speak to these points, uh, what comes to mind is 
we're now one month into this, entering into our second month, ultimately. I mean, uh, many thought that this wouldn't take as long as it has in terms of uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine. It's uh, potentially going to last uh, even longer than many expected, and we're hearing projections of uh, many months to come. I mean, this is really what we're talking about here. Again, the fact that it's been playing out over a longer period of time than what we had initially expected. Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, and to the extent that there's further destruction to the ports, uh, to the extent that there might be additional infrastructure destruction inside Ukraine, that's just going to make it harder to eventually get some of these commodities out of the region. Um, and, and what's more, Ben, you know, the world order has changed. These sanctions yeah. and these hostilities between yeah. nations is is changing things in a big way. And so I think ultimately for, for our viewers and for American consumers and families, you know, we can expect higher commodity prices for, for an extended period of time. Jake, that's one of the topics we've also been talking about, how we've kind of moved away from this globalization situation into kind of our own separate corners, at least for the time being right now. Hopefully we can uh, come out without our, our dukes up and, and resolve some of the issues. Jake, a really good uh, discussion here this morning. Good to have you with us here and to talk about uh, the recent events tied to the uh, WEAT, uh, WEAT ETF and, well, grains in general. Jake Hanley. Thanks for sharing your morning with us here or Thanks, part man. of it. Jake's the Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Strategist at Trading.